Hello, everyone. This is our podcast, Gray Area, and we're back with Polly and Elian with a new episode. Before we get started, we just wanted to let you guys know that summer has been really hectic for us. We apologize for not posting sooner, but we are back and we have an interesting topic today, and we're definitely going to have more to talk about over the next few weeks and get back to our um, podcast that we posted on our Instagram page about having a conversation with a non-vegan, but you guys will see that soon another time. Today's topic is about extreme arguments and extreme vegans. In the media, vegans have been talked about and branded as extreme, um, you know, maybe sometimes even violent, sometimes unnecessary. We're going to get into that, talk about it, see what our feelings are. And my first question for you guys is, what is an extreme vegan and do you align with this terminology? I can try to answer your question. Uh, I think it depends on the, who is the receiver, right? So something that I can perceive as being extreme, somebody might see it as totally normal. But my definition of being extreme when, when you just care about the content, what you want to say and you don't care about the ways how you will say you don't care about the the target audience you're talking to and you just want to get your message across and when i think of extreme vegans or extreme vegan activists i think of the protests that are very graphic and using slogans that are very harsh so that's my definition of extreme vegans extreme activists yeah i kind of feel the same way however i like to add that i also feel like some vegans um don't do not consider their audience as in they just say what they want to say in whichever way possible to get their point across and don't take the feelings of the other of the audience in into regard um and i feel like veganism is like to to think and take care of all beings right and also your fellow humans and some uh, uh radical vegans i think um can be very rude and harsh and harmful to other uh, humans sometimes they just don't understand and they need another type of explanation and radical vegans might not want to give that to them and I don't want it, uh, to sound like we're just bashing vegan activists. I think every person has different way of doing activism. And if I'm like too critical about that, it's because I consider my past activism as a bit of extreme. And I think it's very understandable because when you become vegan, you learn so much new information and you're frustrated and angry. And sometimes that translates to the way how you do the activism. So I have some kind of understanding uh, of this kind of um, activism. Uh, but I think that after you're vegan for several years and after you're an activist for several years, you learn how to do it more effectively, I guess. So I think we'll be a bit critical, but we will also show the understanding towards this yeah. way of activism. I feel like I'm 50-50 on if I agree with the word extreme vegans to begin with because I feel like a lot of the time people say a vegan is extreme 
they're talking about the language that they use to describe what the reality is of the meat and dairy industry. So the word extreme is actually subjective to what you feel about the meat and dairy industry. If you, if you don't agree with what they're saying, which by the way, before I continue, I'd like to say that in this podcast, there are some words that you might use that might be sensitive, um, um, that describe the violence that happens. So if that's just a trigger warning in case that might be bothersome. Um, but yes, so there are a lot of things that happen in the meat and dairy industry that vegans tend to describe in a way that relates to humans and people find that extreme. And so the reason why I say 50-50 in my agreement with that word is because I feel like they're telling the truth, but because the way humans work and how our brain works and how we like to um, remove ourselves from the situation, say, no, I'm not part of that. Like I can't, I would never do such a thing. I would never murder X, Y, and Z to an animal. So that's not true. Like, don't be so extreme. Don't talk about it that way. So that's why it appears extreme. Do I think that's, do I think that's effective for humans to receive in their brain? No, because humans like to do that. They like to separate themselves. And I don't think that's an effective way to communicate. Do I think it's true that what they're saying? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I can relate to that. When I first came to veganism, as you mentioned before, Polly, um, I was also very angry. I think a lot of vegans can relate to that as in, you find yourself with so much new information that just aggravates you so much and then you want to you just want to spread the word and um, sometimes using that kind of language can be helpful um, if you're talking to the right audience and don't know they'll receive it because they might know you and or know where you're coming from but to complete strangers i don't think um, it's it's the best language since many people even before maybe you start the conversation kind of shut it off because they just don't want to think about it because it's easier that way and those words might be triggering even more uh to that case so what would you guys like see an extreme argument look like an extreme argument statement look like what's a common one that you would see in the media or in protests like what would Let's give some examples to the people. I think the slogan meat is murder is not perceived as extreme anymore. I think that vegans, but also non-vegans got used to that. And they are kind of insensitive towards that slogan because I also saw t-shirts saying like meat is murder, tasty, tasty murder. So I don't think this one is extreme enough anymore quote-unquote but uh, when somebody says that dairy is and compares that to sexual assault or when somebody is comparing mm, the meat industry to holocaust or slavery i i understand the argument but i'm scared that the way people say it and the way that talk to people who they don't know and they don't know how they will react to, I think that might be seen as extreme. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I feel like within veganism, a lot of people might use it and understand where everybody's coming from because they've kind of opened their eyes to all the information and the facts surrounding it. But I feel like if you use that kind of terminology, 
um, with people who might have lived through the Holocaust or uh, have been sexually assaulted and are not vegan, I think they will take offense to it because they don't maybe see the animals as being treated as in that way because they haven't seen videos or they don't know the information. And I think they'll just very dislike the person and veganism if that word is used against them because they've so much trauma themselves surrounding that word. Yeah. I actually saw a video on YouTube and I can't remember from which YouTuber, but it, it was like a, a debate and, you know, questioning at a, a feminist march, actually. And the man who was asking the questions about veganism was trying to relate the things that, you know, female animals go through in the meat and dairy industry to what, you know, feminists are fighting for, you know, equality, right to life, right to, you know, all those kind of things. Um, and the woman was very offended. She was just like, kind of like, how dare you compare me to a cow, you know? And she was more offended, like she was more offended that she was being compared to an animal, which she felt was lesser than, than actually like hearing what he had to say. So that's why I say that I don't think it's effective because humans jump to that immediate, you know, conclude, oh, wow, you're comparing me to an animal, really? And so they're not even open to perceiving the idea that, you know, there's another way to live on this planet, there's another way to eat, and this actually affects lives. We have this immediate block because we're being compared to an animal, which already in itself is problematic because animals are not lesser than us. But anyway. What you're saying is exactly what I was trying to say in the beginning, that we care more about the message that we want to send out than the way we say it. Uh, because I, I really understand why people are using these comparisons. It's because they want to connect animal suffering to human suffering because we can relate better to, to people who are suffering than maybe to animals. But the thing is that our target audience, non-vegans, are specialists. So they really uh, see animals as something uh, of lower value than humans. And when we compare humans to animals, in a sense that when a cow is uh, artificially inseminated, it's the same thing that is happening to women when they're sexually assaulted, for example. I think uh, that triggers the, the fact that people are speciesist and they see it as, a, as an off offensive thing to say, and that, then they just shut down and they don't listen to our message anymore. And what I think it's, the problem is that you never know who you're talking to. And what if the person you're talking to experienced something like that? I think it can not only trigger the fact that they will stop listening to, but they might relive their trauma or something like that. So I think we should be very careful about the language we are using in our activism. I mean, I also have, a, you make a great point, but I'd like to also ask, like, is there an extent to extremism? Like, is it on a scale or something? Like, is there because I feel like I've heard vegans be very, you know, graphic in their language, and then there's like lesser graphic. And I feel like, I feel like sometimes there is a, a necessity to, to have that shock factor to wake people up. And I know that this works sometimes. For example, Joey Carbstrong has a lot of followers. He's very graphic. He does not censor how he speaks about the reality of the meat and dairy industry. And he has a lot of followers. He has a lot of people who 
convert to veganism mm -hmm. because of because of how brutally honest he is but that doesn't work for everyone and i feel like if i would put his language on a scale i'd put it you know quite to the extreme language and i've seen him speak on tv like national television before and i felt like oh well, like i was that's that's kind of a <laughs> are you prepared to say that because people are going to bash you for it um but then again, you're on national TV. You've just shocked everyone, and now everyone has something to think about. So I wonder, okay, fine, it might not be nice, but like, he just brought light to something to everyone because of how shocking he was. Yeah, and I feel like if you look at the history, um, most radical, quote-unquote, uh, movements have always had people within it who were very extreme. And... <clears throat> did everything uh, to push the movement. And I feel like you kind of also need people like that. Because um, if it's all just like, oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings and, and, you know, just do whatever you want. Maybe I'll just give you a little bit, little bit of information time by time. For a lot of people that works, but also for some people it doesn't. They just need to hear the truth straight on and they need that shock value to really kind of trigger them so um even though i wouldn't personally use that terminology and i don't think for most people it works it does work for some people and especially on television uh and and podcasts and social media platforms right now um it does get the ball rolling uh, and spark conversations which I also think is very valuable. Um, I do have, like, again, great point, <laughs> but I do have another question, which is that would we do, would we censor the reality with other human topics? Because I think we wouldn't. Um, at least I wouldn't personally. I feel like when there's an injustice in the human world, we would not, yeah, we would not censor ourselves or be sensitive to other people um but for animals or something that we consume we not we the three of us not we don't consume animals just to be clear um <laughs> that we as humans tend to consume every day it you know we sense we sensitize we you know we censor what we say to make sure we don't step on the wrong you know the wrong buttons um and that's the kind of hypocrisy that we talk about a lot in vegan topics is like, would we, would we do the same thing with human topics? Would we, you know, and I think that's a great point to bring up because it, yeah, it is a, it's a logical hypocrisy. That's what I think at least. I, I, I think it's a great question because I often fight with myself that I don't want vegans to be censored and not to say the truth. But I think you can describe what animals are going through and describe the violence they're experiencing without uh, using such language and comparing it to human issues. I'm not saying that it's uh, wrong. I, I'm not an expert in this, but I just sometimes feel a bit cringy when I, uh, when I hear it from someone. But um, I mean, you can still describe the process that cow is going through when they are on dairy farm without comparing it to something that women are going through, you know? And when you ask that, um, 
whether we should censor ourselves when it comes to human suffering. I think the distinction is that we are humans and we empathize with humans better than with animals and that again that people are species and they just don't see it as something equal but at the same time i have a thought that i also don't like when for example i see a feminist instagram account and they are using animals in a way that they are saying what am i a cow or like when i heard a podcast about uh, slavery for example they said like they treat them like animals and does it mean that it's okay to treat Ooh. animals like that you know what i mean like the the other view on it mm-hmm. so what are well, your thoughts about that that's I, I i well that's a really good point and i think i agree because i've seen that a lot and i think i i heard that in one of that that youtube video i was talking about that like you know some feminists or you know on the flip side as we say it's like they actually see the animals, you know, that's how an animal should be treated, not me. And I don't agree with that. I feel like, yeah, I can, I can measure my words to make sure that you effectively receive my message. But I don't think that you on the other side should, um, you know, should be will, willfully ignorant to the reality either. Um, uh, willingly ignorant? Well, okay. Sorry, English. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, I, that's also from another TED talk I watched as well. It's, it was really popular. It was about marketing and branding. And then she ends the video with saying, you know, that's the, you know, the will, willful ignorance that people do. And I feel like it's, yeah, I feel like that's not fair then because I'm measuring my words. I'm trying to be understanding of you and your things you go through. And then on the flip side, it's like, no, that's actually how animals should be treated. I mean, that's what it says to me. What, you think I'm a cow? For me, that equates mm-hmm. to that's how animals should be treated, and I am more than. Um, and I guess my next like point is that: Do you think that non-vegans are going to stay clear of veganism because of these like arguments and statements that they often make in protests or national television, etc.? I think it's difficult to answer this question because you. I don't think we have any research about this, that how many people mm-hmm. are inclined to veganism because of what they heard and how many people sure. are pushed away. So I, I don't feel that I'm qualified enough to <laughs> answer this question, you know, because I, I don't know. It just, I can just describe my feelings about it. You know, I, there are definitely yeah. some people that are pushed away and they think that veganism is extreme because of this, mm-hmm. but I don't know how many people will go vegan because of what they hear you know i think it's difficult because if i look at past movements they've all been driven by humanitarian uh idealistic ideas um and this is mainly based around either the environment health but we're now talking about the animal rights part of it and therefore a whole uh, a way bigger group of humans need to relate to another species, which um, is something that we haven't really come across uh, um, to before. So to give an answer to that, I, I wouldn't know. I think that will take many more years to figure out um, and which which people, I, th- I feel like it's also a very situational and uh, individualistic um, 
thing because some people might be re might relate to it and some people might be uh, might despise other humans for taking that word in into their mouth so i wouldn't know i agree and i feel like but then i also encounter the side of veganism or like vegan activists who say like this is the least we can do is like tell the reality brutally honest no you know like that's the least we can do for animals like it has to be the truth and the dirty truth otherwise we're not doing enough and i feel that kind of pressure in a way that i have to you know i have to say the dirty the ugly truth to to do enough serve for the you know do do my duty to to help animals and so it's kind of difficult when you're all on the same team but then there's part of your team who say you're not doing enough because you're not speaking in a certain way i feel like it's important to understand that activism comes in all shapes or forms and i think you know i think it's really important not to us as vegans not to shame each other for how we you know, mm -hmm. advocate for the cause that we all care about. We're all in yes, this exactly. for similar reasons. For instance, I think that when somebody uh, cooks something vegan, it can also be a great promotion of veganism and drive people towards uh, a vegan diet. But people don't see it as, as if not effective, but like enough, you know, like you should always speak about the animals. You should always do this and this and this. And what you said that the, this is what the least we can do. We don't know what works the best. We, of course, have to try to find out, but I don't think that's the, that's the reason why I cannot say that this extreme argument shouldn't be used at all, because I don't know, maybe it works. But I, if I don't feel confident saying that, I don't think other vegans should say that this is the least we can do and we should do only this because we don't freaking know. Uh, but I have a question because I, when I was thinking about this podcast episode, I was thinking that because I, d I don't feel good when I'm hearing these arguments from people, but I can imagine a situation that, for example, if I see a white person talk comparing animal suffering to slavery or Holocaust, I, <sighs> I, I feel a bit yeah not good let's say that <laughs> yeah but if uh, uh, a black vegan activist is talking about it and comparing it i feel it's more okay in you know because it's it's something they went through and i you know it there's a different when difference when a white person is saying that and when a black person is saying that how do you feel about that i wish there was video in this podcast <laughs> to just see my face listening to this yeah. um yeah as a woman of color i feel like i understand your cringiness <laughs> like your your cringe towards this um but i also feel like i appreciate when you know my white companions let's say caucasian friends um you know understand the history of you know slavery and the suffering that you know African-Americans and, you know, BIPOC individuals have suffered all around the world and, you know, can make intelligent connections to everyday injustices. So I can appreciate that. But I also feel like so long as there isn't a space for Black people 
you know, colored individuals, BIPOC as we call it now, um, to speak about those in the vegan, you know, world. I feel like it would be nice for white people, my Caucasian friends, to, you know, leave space for that. Because I know that you know, I know that you've researched, I know that you've done, you know, the self-education, and I think all of, on behalf of women of color, etc., I can only speak for that, we appreciate that, but I think that there isn't a space yet for people like me to have a voice, so yeah, do you know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. we need that space first to talk about that before every, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, as I normally say, can do that, because I, I haven't, I do not see a big enough space for women of color to speak in the vegan community. In fact, I don't, I, I really don't know any, and to make comparisons about a past that we come from is quite bizarre. And like you say, cringe is like, what, but not even, you know, women of color are talking about this. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, where's, where's my place before someone else speaks about it, you know? But it's an interesting thing that you brought up. It's It's a good point. So, my last point, guys, is that is there a perfect way to communicate veganism to someone? And I feel like I know you guys are going to be like, well, there isn't because <laughs> there's no perfect way to do anything, right? It's, we've talked about this on our last, last podcast as well. You can't, there's, you know, 100% veganism, 100% compassion, not 100%, 100% in anything is always going to be complicated. But I feel like maybe a better word would be, what would be ideal? What's the ideal way? for you personally the ideal way is to get to know the person you're talking to and if they care about the environment the most then talk about the environmental issues connected to animal agriculture if you see that they have pets and they really care about the animals bring the animals and their suffering if they care about their health please don't say that veganism will solve every issue but say that they can still be healthy on a vegan diet and you know have a discussion about that so I think the ideal way is to really know your audience. And I, I guess that's it To Yeah, I think so too. Because um, many vegan activists um, only use the animal rights movement mainly. Whilst I think that for many people, even, the, uh, even vegans now, when they started, they didn't come to veganism for ethical reasons. Um, at least if I speak for my own um, journey, I came towards veganism uh, because of the environment and, uh, and health reasons. And then when I got enrolled into the movement and I saw more videos and talks about it, then I became aware of all uh, the animal suffering. And now I'm very conscious about that. And um, my view shifted on it and I'm, uh, I would say that I care more about the animals than my personal health at this moment. Of course, I'm I'm healthy, but that's not the main reason anymore. Um, and therefore, I also think that, like you said, Polly, uh, it's very good to know your audience. Sometimes even leading by example uh, is good enough. Just preparing good meals and just give a little bit of pieces of information. And if, when they ask you about it, and the opportunity arises, then then more people are also willing to listen than if you just bombard them with information, sometimes just just shuts off. So um, I think that that'll also be ideal for me. I just have to uh, insert another point of thought here is that 
after everything you both you guys both said, I realized is vegan advocacy a matter of marketing and communications? Because you know, thinking about your audience, doing your research, you know, measuring your words, stuff like that is almost like a branding task, you know, it's a communications task, it's a marketing task to, I'm not saying we should treat it like that, by the way, because we're talking about animals here, so this is not a business that we're trying to, you know, market, but I'd like to make um, an interesting connection between how much we have to do research and, and thought and everything to successfully and effectively communicate a cause. Yeah, just, that just dawned on me too, because I feel like with other movements that are very based um, just on, on humans themselves, the group protesting for it are the ones directly benefiting, right? And if you are talking about animal rights, humans aren't the ones directly benefiting. They actually have to give something up, which is the taste of meat. And therefore, it might be we might need more research and might be <clears throat> more of like a marketing surrounding it to make it attractive for other people to still join the movement because with marketing uh, itself you usually have to give something up to get it like either your money or whatever and therefore you need to you know kind of be yeah just you know, the research and words to convince people to actually do that. And I feel like even though it's not at all the same thing, it kind of is if you look at it from that perspective. I think that if you're just vegan and not an activist, it's totally okay. But if you really are into activism as a vegan, I think doing the research and learn about how to communicate it very well uh, I think it's about branding and marketing. Like, um, I know a guy who was kind of like long hair in the metal scene and that kind of stuff. And then he went vegan and he really wanted to be an activist. And he realized that the way he looks, for example, is not very good for his vegan advocacy. So he cut his hair and to look like, you know, like an average person in order to what? get his message across. Yeah, so, uh, and there's the research behind it that when you're, for example, going to a hippie festival, you should look more as a hippie. When you're going to another market, you, you need to, you know, look wow. differently. So I think- it's Relatable. Yes, yes, because people then will listen to your message. Mm. So, and there's a lot of research regarding vegan advocacy. Like, I really recommend the book, A Change of, heart <laughs> and how to create a vegan world and there that's a great research how to like learn more about effective vegan advocacy but you know when we are also talking about vegan food for example when i cook something and it doesn't look good i usually don't put it on my instagram because i wanna, <laughs> want everyone to like how vegan food looks amazing to cook it so i think it's it's really about marketing and branding and showing people that veganism is amazing it looks amazing and and stuff like that guys this is so interesting like i i really find this interesting especially particularly because i work a, like with vegan businesses and stuff now for you know you know marketing their products and trying to get people to lure them into 
buying and eating vegan stuff because as you said and then you're giving up something normally it's like people get they gain something out of you know what they're being marketed to but in this case you have to give up something to be a part of this group per se and um so you need to do a lot of research to convince someone to give up like half the things they've been eating their whole life Mm -hmm. um yeah this is yeah it's really insightful and i think that as we move along in the years of veganism being popular and on the rise and you know common knowledge we're gonna find more and more research about how we can do this effectively and bring more people on the bandwagon because right now we're in a bit of a you know limbo because you know we know what works we know what doesn't but there's not enough research about it and we're only in the middle of the transition to being you know because vegetarianism is like everyone knows vegetarians we need to once we get to that stage i think we're gonna know mm-hmm. how to communicate this well and everyone's gonna be on the same page on how to you know be compassionate but also you know communicate something that most of us in i mean most humans i believe think that these are injustices but don't have have not found the way to make that transition in their life personally speaking um but that's what we do in the VSA as well, right? Like we, we do our best to, you know, you can have a group of friends, we go out together, we do, you know, bar crawls, whatever they're called. <laughs> we do all this cool stuff, like come join our crew. And by the way, we are cool. This is not a lie. Trust me, like we're cool people. So if you guys are interested in joining us, join us because we're cool. <laughs> this is how I brand VSA. We're all cool people. <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you guys for listening to this podcast i actually found this really really interesting a really interesting conversation again sorry about the podcast that we skipped but we're definitely going to get back to it the summer was just absolutely hectic it was so weird i'm sure a lot of you guys can agree that this summer was kind of bizarre (laughs) because of coronavirus and just restrictions and weird weather and yeah anyway we're gonna come back soon the school year is starting again So again, like I said, check out our website, check our Instagram. If you want to join our cool crew, (laughs) Um, then yeah, drop us a message if you have any questions and this will be out as soon as possible. Peace out and compassion as always. Bye-bye.